the world and the heart. Everyone born into this world wishes to be happy, and so people are continually searching and striving for this happiness. It's been like this since we were little. Even before we can speak properly, we're already seeking things to satisfy us. As small children, we express our wants through gestures driven by the heart's desires. As we grow up, we work at our studies and acquire as much knowledge as possible so we can get a good job. We assume that having a good job and earning a lot of money will make us happy and at ease. And yet, even when we've gotten everything, there is still discontent. We still don't experience happiness all the time. Various things in the world still cause us to suffer. When we experience gain and good fortune, we're happy. But when those things fade away, then the heart suffers. At one time we might experience fame or status, but when they disappear, the heart suffers. When others praise us, we feel happy and content. But then when we're criticized, the heart suffers. All these worldly conditions, gain, status, praise and pleasure, are uncertain. Sometimes there is loss of gain or status. Sometimes we meet with criticism or pain. This is the way of the world, and this is how it always has been. Once born, every one of us receives these things from the world, and when we're all gone and a new generation emerges, it will be like this for them as well. Nothing changes. Even on New Year's Day, when there's a change of year, this is simply a matter of convention. It's just the way the calendar's been arranged. Arising and passing away is something natural. The sun simply comes into view, and then goes out of view. But we've prescribed meanings out of it, for the sake of mutual agreement and understanding. Though we're born into this world, we fail to see the world. We're entranced by it. We have become addicted to the world. That is to say, addicted to forms, sounds, smells, flavors, and tactile sensations. But these things of the world don't last. Arising and ceasing, they undergo change and transformation over time. For this reason the Buddha cautioned his disciples, Look at this world, beautiful and enticing, like a royal chariot. Those without wisdom are bound by the world, but those who know are not bound. The world is all the myriad forms, sounds, smells, flavors, and tactile sensations which are desirable and pleasing. The majority of people, if lacking in wisdom, are bound by these things. But the Buddha was no longer bound. So he encouraged his disciples to practice as he had done. As long as we are residing in the world, we must try to cultivate panya, wisdom. Panya is a brightness appearing in the heart. That all of us have come here shows that our panya has already begun to appear. By giving up worldly distractions and enjoyments, we cut away at the inclination of the heart towards these things. Now instead of going here and there, searching for things to entertain us, we have the chance to search for peace. This peace appears as a happiness of heart, a happiness founded in Dhamma. At this point we could say our heart possesses enough wisdom for all of us to see the busyness and confusion in the world. We can see that all those worldly distractions are insubstantial and without meaning. When we're in a peaceful place though, our mind becomes peaceful as well. It becomes free of stress and agitation, free of doubts and worries, free of scattered thoughts. When we calm our body and speech, then our heart will naturally calm down as well. 
for the heart finds pleasure and contentment and peacefulness. This is called the emergence of wisdom in the heart. We have this opportunity for training the heart and mind. Our mind is something quite difficult to train though. As we're sitting with our eyes closed, various thoughts and speculations arise. So we must come to learn about our mind. Why isn't it peaceful? We're looking for peace, looking for the mind to settle down and be still. So why won't it be still? It's simply because we've never trained it. For decades we've let our mind do as it will. 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. We've never taken the time to train the mind. We've trained it in thinking, building up thoughts about this and that, aiming to gain understanding in this way. But each time we reinforce our thoughts and feelings in a worldly manner, our heart gets further and further away from peace. As we continue to seek the world to greater degrees, we become increasingly more distant from the Dhamma. These days people are searching for happiness out in the world more than ever before. People are gradually becoming more scattered and distracted as their hearts drift further and further away from the Dhamma. One can see how much busier and hectic the world is these days. In the past, when one needed to travel anywhere, there was no rushing or competing. People mostly walked, and the paths were wide open. Whether travelling through forests or through the mountains, there was lots of space. But now the world is developed. The roads are more developed. One can travel more quickly than ever before. And so humans find themselves competing with one another. Everyone needs to use the same overcrowded roads because we all depend on vehicles to convey us from one place to another. Wherever one goes, there is racing and contending. Although the world is more developed, there is more scrambling and competing than in the past. Things are more convenient, though our hearts are less contented and at ease. Wherever one finds progress, one also finds degeneration. Like in Bangkok, there has been great progress and advancement. However, going anywhere is a hassle because there are so many people. This is simply for the reason that people want to live in a developed place. One can see that progress in the world is inseparable from degeneration in the world. The Pali word, loka, means world, and also means darkness. Along with the growth of darkness comes the appearance of degeneration. The same principle applies to a heart. If a heart develops in worldly ways, this means that there will be degeneration in our heart. The heart's radiance diminishes as it drifts further and further away from the Dharma. It's hard to find the opportunity to listen to the Dharma and practice meditation anymore. We find that in the past, people would head to the monastery to perform charitable deeds, seeking tranquility of mind, because back then there was time and opportunity available to do this. It used to be that the days off here in Thailand were aligned with the lunar observance days, but as things have modernized, this has changed to Saturdays and Sundays. People's lives are getting steadily more distant from the Dharma. More than ever before, people nowadays seek for distraction in forms, sounds, smells, flavors, and tactile sensations. These things cover over our heart, deceiving us and intoxicating us. But those of us who are able to recognize the danger in allowing ourselves to become agitated and confused can make the effort to practice meditation. This will bring calm and energy to our mind, empowering it to contend with all the various forms, sounds, smells and flavors around us. Don't let these things take over the mind. 
create the conditions for freedom and independence. The search for Dhamma is the most supreme type of search. Having been born into this world, we desire to obtain wealth and possessions, to acquire a measure of fame and reputation. But regardless of how much wealth, praise and knowledge we may acquire, still we must age, we must become ill, we must die. We must all be separated from this world, everyone, without exception. The sage, therefore, the wise person, will endeavor to reach the Dhamma. He or she will seek the heart's true happiness. For although one might have an education and a career, why is a heart not at peace? When we're insulted, why is it that the heart suffers? When someone criticizes us, why is it that the heart suffers? When our wealth decreases, why is it that the heart suffers? With loss of status, why is it that the heart suffers? When the body experiences change or transformation, why is it that the heart suffers? It's simply because our heart is not yet endowed with wisdom. If you have already progressed far enough in your career and have an adequate amount of wealth, then you should consider seeking the Dharma within your heart. Let us bring wisdom to our heart so we can understand the things of this world in line with the truth. When we are first born, everything is unfamiliar and one is swept up with the world. Having never contemplated the process that is our life, we don't understand the reality of it. Our lives don't last long. Once born, we have around a hundred years at most. Those who live longer than this are rare. And as for our desires, what could we possibly desire from this world when the time comes to leave it behind? But if there is still greed, anger and delusion remaining at the time of death, our consciousness will seek birth in another womb. It will be born with the world again, and then swept up by the world again. It will be striving and struggling again. You will have to go back to school and study all over again, and then go seeking again. Every birth, every life, with no end to it. Each birth, each life, is bound up with dukkha, suffering. The heart experiences nothing but dukkha. Because whenever we don't get what we wish for, then we experience dukkha. Or when the body changes in some way, or we develop an illness, we experience dukkha. Searching for the four necessities, food, clothing, shelter and medicine, is also dukkha. The fact that we have to go and get a job, being vulnerable to the moods of our superiors is also dukkha. Or, if we are the ones in a position of authority and get irritated with our employees, this is also dukkha. All of these forms of dukkha come about, are made possible, simply by the fact that we have been born into the world. As long as we are pleased and delight in the sensual pleasures of the world, we must be born and die again and again, on and on, indefinitely. The Buddha said that we have been born countless times and experienced great suffering and despair from being separated from those things and people which we are fond of. The amount of tears we have shed is more than all of the water in the great oceans, he said. Birth brings with it a great deal of grief and pain. The Buddha attained to this state of awakening within his heart. But in order to give rise to the awakening within, a heart which is radiant, free of anger and hostility, we must make the effort to practice. Keep on investigating the heart, and you will become one who is heedful. Here is a practice for all of you to undertake from now on. If there is suffering present, for whatever reason, then we need to try and remedy that suffering to remove it from the heart.
Even in a worldly way, every person wishes to be endowed with mindfulness and wisdom. If we're truly wise, though, then we'll come to understand the fundamental nature of sankharas, compounded phenomena. They're anicca, dukkha, and anatta, impermanent, unsatisfactory, and not-self. If we have the wisdom necessary to see the reality of compounded phenomena, suffering will diminish. But the wisdom which will arise in the heart is something we must seek for ourselves. We must study and practice the teachings for ourselves. No matter how much money one might have, there isn't anyone we can buy this wisdom from, unlike external possessions, which we are able to shop for and purchase. Internal possessions is something we have to acquire on our own. We have to do it ourselves, bringing this wisdom into existence and making our heart bright. For this reason, we should endeavor to develop Bharami, spiritual maturity within ourselves. You have all traveled here to Wat Mapjan. While we are practicing meditation, there is peacefulness in our speech and actions. Our minds are established in morality and we are restrained and careful. We can say that we are practicing giving in the sense that we are giving up other distractions to come to the monastery. The path of giving, morality and meditation has the ability to lead anyone's heart to a state of radiance and peace. This is the path that will lead us to see the Satcha Dhamma, the truth, which has always existed in the world. No longer fooled by the world, no longer being excessively caught up in sights, sounds, smells, flavors and tactile sensations, we can come to understand the reality of conditioned things. That the world is plagued by disharmony and confusion is due to the presence of craving, a craving which is never appeased. We can let craving take us outside the boundaries of virtuous conduct, or we can choose to carry out our life within these boundaries. Once we've established ourselves within the boundaries of virtuous conduct, we must begin to investigate the three kinds of craving in order to understand them. There is kamatanha, which means finding satisfaction in delight and sense objects, sights, sounds, smells, flavors, tactile sensations and ideas. Then there is bhavatanha, craving for being or for experiencing, and vibhavatanha, craving for not being or not experiencing. Kamatanha, bhavatanha, vibhavatanha. These are the causes for the arising of stress and suffering. If we don't practice, we'll never be able to see these conditions of the mind as they actually are. Practicing the Dharma is for the purpose of bringing the mind to see and understand, to see the world in line with truth. If we truly see the world, this means that we've seen the Dhamma. The external world is one thing, and the internal world is just this body and the moods in our heart which are continually rising and changing. We may feel anger or attraction or aversion or stress. The moods and emotions that arise in the heart are of all sorts. During the course of one day, there is an endless arising and ceasing. If we see the nature of these thoughts and feelings as they rise and cease, this means that we see the world. The mind will temporarily distance itself from these mental phenomena. When we regularly see our thoughts as impermanent, as unsatisfactory, and as not-self, the mind will stop grabbing onto them. We'll be able to separate them out from one another, just like water and oil. This is how one can see the true nature of the world. When the heart comes to understand reality, one will experience great rapture and happiness. How much happiness will there be in the heart? 
To whatever degree one can realize the truth, the heart will be bright and spacious and will experience that degree of happiness. If the heart attains to an ever greater degree of calm and concentration, genuine samadhi, with rapture appearing nearly all throughout the day and night, well, experience it for yourself and you'll know what that level of happiness is like. This is the kind of happiness that doesn't depend on wealth or possessions. It's a happiness independent of sights, independent of sounds, independent of smells, independent of flavors, independent of sensations, and independent of ideas. A happiness coming from within. To whatever extent humans seek for happiness outside themselves, the further they are away from the happiness within. But those who make the effort to seek the happiness of the heart can find a happiness that doesn't fade. It's for this reason that all of you should seek the Dhamma.